0: Uh, My name is Michelle Conrad. My husband, Andrew, is the pastor here at Spring Run, um, and I am here to share my gospel story with you. Um, So I lost my mom suddenly back in May. It's been five months, and I still find myself replaying the last week of her life and my last moments with her. This was the first time I've experienced the death of someone who I was very close with and had ever felt this kind of grief. I had the anger and sadness that are known to come while grieving, but I wasn't at all prepared for the anxiety that I felt at times. I've never really considered myself an anxious person. I'm an optimist and generally, even though I'm a control freak at times, I really try to hand things over to God. My optimism generally makes me approach things like God's in control, it'll all work out. So anxiety isn't an emotion I've had to deal with on any significant level. It really started several days after her passing when, at the encouragement of a lot of people around us, um, we took our previously planned vacation. This vacation included a couple of days of me and Andrew in Nags Head alone, and then meeting up with our kids at a beach house in Oak Island. Before we left Richmond, I was having a lot of anxiety about leaving. I really did not want to go. I think I just wanted to be around all of my kids and family because somehow it made me feel more in control, like I could protect them from anything bad happening. The first night in Nags Head, I slept for maybe an hour. My mind kept racing. I kept replaying last moments with my mom. I couldn't stop thinking about her. I had a lot of fear about something bad happening to someone else in my family, and I was exhausted. When we were all together in Oak Island, um, a couple days later, I felt a lot better. I think it was just easy to be in denial while we were away from home. A couple weeks after our vacation, Andrew left for General Assembly and I had some anxiety about him leaving. But I think most of it was centered around the fact that he was not going to be around at the one month anniversary of my mom's passing. And I just wasn't sure what that would feel like. In July, Andrew left again for the Belize mission trip. He left in the middle of the night around 3 a.m. and after a series of some things going wrong at home, right after I dropped him off, I had what I think was an anxiety attack. I couldn't stop crying, I was extremely fearful and kept thinking of all the bad things that could happen. I had even told him before he left that I was certain something bad was gonna happen to him while he was gone and if not him, then another family member. I couldn't shake that feeling that morning i ended up googling what's normal for grief and was relieved to see that my thoughts and emotions were not all that abnormal for someone experiencing recent and sudden loss my anxiety has subsided a lot over the past past five months but it still creeps in god has met me and ministered to me over the past months through the body of christ mostly through people in this church By the way, my husband and kids have cared for me by friends sending cards and checking in to see how I'm doing or going to lunch or sharing helpful quotes and scripture verses. I was describing my anxiety with a friend over lunch one day and she said this reminds me of a C.S. Lewis quote which says, no one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. Knowing that I wasn't alone in these feelings of fear and anxiety, I mean even C.S. Lewis felt this way, was so encouraging to me. Clinging to Scripture has been another antidote to my anxiety. I was reminded of how, how God tells us over and over and over again in His Word, "Do not fear." He knows our struggle. In my grief, I didn't feel like reading my Bible or praying, but I knew that I needed to. So I decided I would make myself read a Psalm a day this summer. One Psalm that I recite when I feel anxiety creeping in is Psalm 118:6. The Lord is on my side; I will not fear. Grief and fear still come in waves at times and there are more stories of my anxiety that I could share, but I'm grateful for God and for the people around me who He has used to comfort me and point me to Him so that I feel less alone in my grief.
1: Uh, my name is Lauren Moore and I'm the Children's Ministry Director here at Spring Run and I'm going to share with you my gospel story. So um, part of sharing my gospel story is, how has God met me recently? And for me, it's been, um, in the last year, my dad was diagnosed t- <laughs> my dad was diagnosed with cancer, um, a very rare and aggressive type of cancer. And it was actually the end of last October, so just about a year ago. And just from the beginning, it was not good. Um, He was just not gonna get better, and that was very clear, but he fought. And he died in July, July 11th, so just about three months ago. And God has met me over and over and over. There've been so many times in life that I've been able to um encourage other people and send other people scripture and help them walk through their difficulties. Particularly uh Psalm 34:18 um that states God is close to the brokenhearted and um I've walked through a lot of difficult things in my adulthood but this I've never lost an immediate family me- member um And so, this verse just took on new meaning for me and it helped me um, really understand how close God is in the midst of um, grief and loss and feeling overwhelmed. Um, And some of the things that surfaced for me in this time was like, why now? Both of my parents had just retired a few years earlier. Um, My kids are eight, six, and five, and like doing all kinds of fun things. My youngest sister's triplets just turned a year old, and they have an 11 year old whose adoption story is unfolding. And my middle sister's like right at the height of all these things in her career. And so, just like, why now? and God just pressed upon my heart um, that it's not my job to question their creator. Uh, it's my job to lean into his promises, and I can find his promises in his word. And the day that my dad died, I remembered thinking, What is going to happen to my mom? And almost immediately, my mind was flooded with um, scripture that mentions orphans and widows. And that. Um, Those are, just like everyone else, the beloved of God. And so I knew that while I had these questions and concerns that my mom was going to be taken care of, um, not even thinking materialistically, but like spiritually, I knew that God was going to take care of her because his word said so. Um, And so, yeah, God has just met me over and over and over by comforting me through his word, Um, just being able to open scripture and continuously read his word that is encouraging and enlightening and reveals his character and nature over and over and over again. And so that's my gospel story that God has just met me continuously um, in a season that has been hard and it's still hard, um, but he's still there.
2: So we are focusing in this series that we're in, in overwhelmed uh, but overcoming. Today we're focusing on being overwhelmed by grief and loss. And grief and loss can come in all kinds of ways. It can come through the loss of a relationship, maybe a friend that moved away and you don't have much contact with. Maybe it comes in the form of a divorce in which you feel betrayed. Maybe it comes in in the form of lost years of COVID and your schooling or your celebrations or whatever it was going to be during those times. All those losses are significant. And they're significant because we might say in some ways that each of them, what they take from you feels like a little part of something is dying. What we're going to focus on today is mainly being overcome by grief through death, the ultimate form Of loss. But a lot of the principles apply to all those other forms too because they all feel like small deaths in ways. And so that's what we're going to look at. It brings about all kinds of emotions that are intense, grief, sorrow. And it's not just that. It leads to other kinds of things like anger and anxiety and even as Michelle said, fear that she didn't know how much grief felt like Fear. And so when you get deeply overwhelmed by death and grief, the question might be, well, what do we do? How do we overcome it? And so we're going to talk about that in three ways today. Uh, Why is it so hard? Where do we find hope? And what are some of the practical things that help us overcome? So the first point, you can put that first point up there. Why is death so hard? Right? It feels wrong. It's because it is wrong. It's not the way it was supposed to be. Right? Death is hard because it's not the way God created it to be. It's actually the curse, part of the curse from sin. And that's a significant thing for us to remember. Galatians 3 verse 13 talks about it in curse this way and talks about what Christ did for us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, right, for breaking, for the sin, by becoming a curse for us is what Jesus does and he takes on that curse. So the death of humans, you have to remember, is not natural. It is natural, we might say, in one sense of the world, like, you live, you die, that's natural. It is, but it's naturally imposed as part of the curse. It's not the way it was intended to be. And so God made the world for people, the story of the Bible tells us, God made the world for people to live forever, but the human rebellion against God's order brought about the curse because that corruption ruined paradise The resulting curse brought about a world of imperfection, frustration, trauma, brokenness, evil, and even death. Death is a breach of God's good design, and our bodies know it. It's why we recoil at death, because it's not the way it's supposed to be. Whether you are skeptical or curious today about Christianity. Maybe you're not entirely sure about what what you think about it. You need to recognize this. When, When your body recoils at death, you are echoing the feelings and the emotions for something better, for there not to be death, for something truer. You are echoing the feelings and the emotions of what God says is true, that there is better story. That death is not final. That that doesn't mean it's all over. You're longing for the Bible to be true in those moments. The Bible invites you in in that way. You may remember the movie that's, golly, probably 15 years old or something. I don't know, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, right? And Pirates of the Caribbean, they go and search for the treasure that they want. They find the treasure and they're celebrating life and they give away the gold and everything. But what it does is it brings upon them curse you may remember the scene where captain barbosa is in the captain's quarters aboard aboard the black pearl with elizabeth and he says this to her he says the more we gave treasured gold away the more we came to realize that drink would not satisfy food would turn to ash in our mouths and all the pleasurable company in the world could not slake our lust we are cursed men And, of course, what they're doing is collecting the gold to return it and looking for a descendant of the one whose blood could break the curse. Sound like a familiar story? Where do we find hope then? Where do we find hope? We find it in several places, but first we find hope in Jesus who knows your grief and loss. He does. He knows it. We're told this in Scripture again and again, but I'll give you one example of it. It's Isaiah 53, verses 3 and 4. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus comes, is talking about the Messiah, the one, the Savior who would come, okay, who Jesus is, and he writes these words. He says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. See, the creator of life showed up in human flesh to know your sorrow and carry your grief. You have hope then that your God knows your pain and suffering. It's not just a distant God out there somewhere in the middle of the universe and the pillars of creation that our are, that are, uh, telescopes see out in space. No, no, you have, you have a God who comes to you, who knows your suffering and your pain Knows exactly how you feel. You remember when Jesus' friend died, Lazarus? Lazarus dies. You remember the story, Mary and Martha's brother, right? And they're upset because Jesus didn't come fast enough and Lazarus is dead. And what does he do? You might say, well, he raises him from the dead. That's true, but that's not the first thing he does. You want to look and memorize some scripture because we say scripture memory is a good thing? Here's a verse for you. It's easy. It's John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Period. That's your verse. Memorize it. He stands in front of the tomb of his friend. And the creator of life, the savior of the world, stands there and weeps. Because he knows the sorrow that his friends, that his family feels. He knows the grief in it. Of course, then he does do what comes next. He cries out defiantly as if a battle cry against death, calling Lazarus to come forth from the grave, which Lazarus does. And he raises him from the dead, which leads to the next point here where you find hope. You find hope in Jesus who defeated death, right? Jesus himself defeated death, not just by raising Lazarus, but he himself was resurrected from the dead. And Romans 6 tells us that he defeated death in this way says, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. You and I live in the shadow of the dominion of death. It's coming. We cannot avoid it. Jesus no longer lives in that shadow because he's already faced death and he has conquered it. It has no power over him. He conquered death and rose from the dead. Right? That is great hope in the midst of grief. Your hope comes trusting in Jesus who lived the life, the perfect life that you could not live, then died the death that you actually deserve to die, taking your place, and rose from the dead, conquering death. And in the midst of your grief and pain, it's not that you don't have any grief or pain, you weep, but you have hope. A hope that is real, a hope that is sure, a hope that is proven. Because your Savior walked out of the grave. And so we find hope in Jesus who knows your grief and loss and you find hope in Jesus who defeated death but you also find hope in heaven where there is no more death or sorrow. There's no more death or sorrow is what we're told. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 24 to 26 says, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power for he must reign until he put all his enemies under his feet, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Paul is writing about the future and saying, when heaven comes, when the resurrection of our bodies that we await happens, Jesus will destroy the last and final enemy, and death will be no more. And then John tells us in, his, in Revelation, in the vision that he has of heaven, what that looks like in Revelation 21, and he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. You have hope because one day death will be no more. We won't have to experience it. We won't know it. We will live forever with God and with others who have followed him. And that is hope. It is hope in the midst of grief. In the midst of grief in the deepest ways when you're faced with death. I know it's hope that Michelle and Lauren have talked about and expressed. It's hope that that a friend of mine, Leonard Bailey, expressed. He is a pastor, sister church of ours in Stafford, Virginia. And about a month and a half ago, his 22-year-old daughter was killed in a car accident on I-95. And at her funeral, somebody else preached, but, but he did talk for a while. And then he sang a song, He sang a song by a band called the Grey Havens, whom we had here in concert probably six years ago or something like that. And the song is called Far Kingdom. And the song is looking forward to that far kingdom that's not here yet, that far kingdom that we have in heaven, that one day will be. And he strapped on his guitar and he sang that, that chorus from the top of his lungs as if it were a defiant battle cry, battle cry, Over the casket of his daughter. That chorus that says, There is a far, far kingdom there at the end of the sea where they know my name. And until that far, far kingdom calls me home, oh my soul, I will wait. But he's expressing the hope that he has. Because Jesus knows our pain and suffering. Jesus experienced death. Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus will one day vanquish death. That's, that's hope that we really have. In the deepest kind of grief. And I wanted to walk through that. So you see that in scripture. So you see that story. But we do come to the part of like, okay, well now we get that what the Bible says. Help me deal with that. Help me handle that. What practical help might we find the third point what practical things will help us the first thing is is help from the holy spirit i've got a lot of them here listed but and we'll kind of go through them here but help from the holy spirit don't forget this right lauren mentioned this too that god meets her in the grief that she clung and clings to psalm 34:18 god who is close to the brokenhearted right the holy spirit is referred to in the bible as your helper or your counselor, Jesus says in, in John's Gospel. The Holy Spirit guides you into truth. The Holy Spirit prays for you when you have no words. Listen to these words. They won't be on the screen, but this is Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to, to 26 or 7. says this For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now listen. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When you are in your deepest griefs and you can't get words out, the helper, the counselor, the spirit is there interceding for you. Don't overlook that. That is practical help. Knowing that means you're not alone. That even if you don't have any people near you, God is with you. He has not left you. He is not abandoning you. He is with you and his spirit is there to help you. All the other things we already said are practical help because it's the truth, it's the reality that we need to soak in. But going on further, it's also helpful to pay attention to your emotions. When you're going through grief, obviously you have emotions. Emotions are not bad things, they're good things. They're windows into the soul in that way. What you're feeling, what you're experiencing. In other cultures, uh, at funerals, people wail like, really like wail and mourn and cry. In fact, even townspeople come out, and the whole town will come out in that way. In, in some ways, that's mirrored in our Western culture, but it's not the same. If you've ever seen funerals in other places, they're very different. I think generally in our culture, we have, we've, we've put death away from us, right? It, it happens out there, somewhere over there, and, 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 and we don't have that very near to us at all. And so we also in funerals do everything we can just to keep our stuff together knowing that it's going to be hard. We're not denying that it's hard but we're trying to keep our stuff together. Why do we do that? Why do we keep our stuff together? Why is it like well I just have to be strong or um, I I don't know, why? I mean the truth is death stinks. It's crappy. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes people don't even want to have a service. It's more and more common. Let me encourage you for your families. Have a memorial service. Have a funeral. Because it matters. It's important. If if you try to put death aside as hard as it is, if you try to put it aside, what you are doing is trying to minimize pain, which I understand, but on the other side of it, when you're trying to minimize pain and say, well, it's not that bad, or it is that bad and I just can't deal with it, the thing you are also doing is muting the power of the resurrection. If you take away the sting of death, where is the victory over the grave? Like in those moments we know that, we feel the weight of it, We need to be able to cry and mourn and wail and say, this is horrible. Because it makes us turn in hope to what is real. The resurrection of the dead, life after death. It's also helpful to be aware of your temptations. Because the enemy, Satan, will work against you and use every opportunity to cause you to question all kinds of things. And it's normal to ask questions. You can do that. God's got big enough shoulders for you to ask questions. But we should not end up in the place of constantly questioning his goodness and his care and his love because he reminds us of it over and over again. Satan may tempt you to be bitter or angry or jealous of others. Watch out for those temptations. Turn your eyes to Jesus who suffered and conquered death. And then help comes from continuing spiritual habits. You heard Lauren say this and Michelle say this. They turn to the pages of scripture. Like where is my hope and my source of comfort? Reading a psalm a day. Opening the Bible and just being comforted and God meeting them in that. Continue those spiritual habits. Reading. If you cannot read, listen to it. Put it on your phone and just listen and let it hit you that way. When you can do neither, pray, even if only with stuttering words like God help I'm so mad the spirit knows and the spirit intercedes for you keep gathering for worship with God's people that may be hard to as you encounter people and they want to care for you and ask you how things are going that can be hard, but you need those people You've got to receive help from others because they can help you see things that you cannot in your grief. They can remember God's goodness with you. They can exercise faith when your faith is weak. They can bring comfort when you need it. That might come through a meal. It might come through a prayer or an encouraging note. But you need their help. And the other practical thing you can do is you can be a giver of help. Give to help others because here's one of the things that God does that is unique your experience uniquely, uniquely qualifies you to help others. In 2 Corinthians 1, we read this, that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I mean, comfort, comfort, comfort. It's all over that passage. When you have that, you now have a gift that you can give to others that you can point others to that comfort too and that's not easy to do and I'm really thankful that Michelle and Lauren agreed to do a really difficult thing in sharing their gospel stories and that families are here today because it's not easy in the weight of grief but you can share how you've been comforted let me give a few words I need to wrap up here let me give you a few words of advice on helping others and thank you for hanging in there I know this is a a heavy topic one of the things we're doing in this series being overwhelmed is talking about things like this like grief and loss remember we talked about anxiety and anger and shame we're going to talk about trauma and abuse some hard things that are real things that we have to wrestle with in life let me try to give you some words though some a few words on advice about helping others be cautious of platitudes when you're going to somebody who's grieving, whether that's in death or whether that's in some other way. Be cautious of platitudes. Things that say, well, well, it was God's will. That's true. That may not be the thing to say. Or, she's in a better place now. Again, true. At least you got time. At least you got to say goodbye. All things that might be true. Right? And when you say that, when people say that, if you're going through grief, when people say that, recognize this, they're trying to love you well and care for you. Give them the benefit of the doubt in that. And if you're the one that's helping, remember they feel horrible. Remember, death stinks. It's bad. When, when we say those words, it's God's will or at least this or that, right? What we're trying to do is, is, is bring comfort and say everything will be okay. But if you had the power to fix things, what they would want is bring the person back to life. And you don't have that power. Your job isn't there to fix in that moment. Your job is there to be present and identify with people. Instead of trying to make them feel better, maybe try feeling bad with them. Don't explain it away. Instead, try to empathize. Use words that identify with sorrow and grief. Words like these. I'm so sorry for your loss. I just have no words. This is crappy. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Because that's how they feel. And more than your words, more than the platitudes, be present with them. You will worry about finding the right words to say, but still go, because your presence is better than absence. And your stuttering words are better than silence. Go. In whatever kind of grief or loss it is. Be present with the people. Death and grief are hard because we still live in a cursed and broken world. But there's hope. There's hope because Jesus knows your grief. He defeated death. And in heaven there will be no more death. And you can have help. Practical help from the Holy Spirit. And from other Christians. And then you can be that help to others. I have two friends from college who, two, or who are two of my best friends in life. John and Troy. One August day, the summer I was planting this church in 2005. Troy's mom called me and said, in tears, we've lost him. We've lost him. We've lost Noah, Troy's four-year-old son. He was playing in the water on vacation and dropped dead. And Troy, being a lifeguard, did CPR to no avail. Later came to discover he had an unknown heart condition that allowed him to live for four years and not any longer. On the phone with his mom, Troy said in the background, I need, I need John and Andrew. And so we said, Okay. So his mom hung up the phone. They left their vacation house in New Hampshire. And I called my friend John to break the news. And we quickly decided that we would leave and and meet him. So John left Florida and I left Virginia and we met at Troy's house. And we got there and we were waiting on his front porch when the family pulled into the driveway. And then we spent days there with him. Why did we do that? Because we didn't know what to say. We just knew we needed to be present with him. Why? Because that's what God did. That's what God does. Right? He is present with us. He shows up. He always does in the midst of your grief. You might feel like you're still wandering in a wasteland of loss and sorrow and anger and anxiety. You might only seem to remember the tombstones, the grave, or the, or the curse. But Christians, look up. Lift your eyes. Because Jesus conquered death and is sitting on the front porch waiting for you to come home. Do you trust him with your deepest grief, your deepest sorrow, and your deepest pain? He is the hope and the help that we have let me pray Father I pray that you will truly be the hope and the help that we all need and I pray even today on this difficult day people come to church and and we want to be happy and it's true God we really do but there are times in life when happiness seems very distant and we're hurting and so Lord will you meet us with your goodness the goodness of that overarching story of all other stories echo the breaking of the curse through Christ our Savior, the redemption of our bodies, the glory of heaven where there is no more sorrow or pain or death. And will you help us now in each day then to know your words, to rely on the Spirit who prays for us, to comfort others, and to find comfort in you. Turn our wailing into dancing in our grief, into rejoicing, we pray. Amen. The ushers are going to